let's do number 20. Number 20. You can do it. You can do it.
good to see Sister Louise here this morning. And I just happen to know her favorite song is number 88. So we're going to sing a couple of verses there. Number 88.
voice is about gone. Uh, 376 at the bottom of the page. Three seventy six bottom of the page. Why don't we stand, stretch our legs? Seated. Brother Wayne called me yesterday and asked what I do this, so I didn't have time to run a special down, so I'm going to do what I do too often. I'm going to dump on my piano players. They're going to play 290 for a few verses, and then we'll turn up the gross food. If, if you happen to get here about 945, they're already warming up. So I thought we'll just let them play this song for us this morning.
ain't a lie. Wasn't that pretty? Just you get. I think it was that song that they were playing it, and uh, that's the only true peace that a man, woman, or girl had. Amen. It's from Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, people are looking for peace everywhere. But he gives peace. He gives peace today. Well, I love y'all today, and it's good to see you. And I've enjoyed being here this morning. I really have. I. I, uh, uh, it's just been a blessing, as was mentioned a while ago. They were already playing when most of us got here this morning, and uh, you just feel the presence of the Lord when you walk in His house, and, and I'm glad of that. Today, it's good to see this good number here with us. We've got several out today, uh, and Brother Wayne, Sister Vanessa are traveling, and Brother Bo and Sister Linda couldn't be here today. And um, the homes are out uh, sick, but it's so good to see each one of you that are here uh, uh, today. And um, it's good to see Judy and Randall back. We hadn't seen them in a while. Good to see y'all back. It's good to have uh, John's brother and his wife and baby with us. And I apologize I didn't call you by name, but I just but it but it, but it's so good to see. Each and every one of you, and, and we love y'all. Uh, I'm gonna try not to chase any rabbits today, and try to stay with what God uh, uh, gives us. But um, He has, uh, I prayed and asked Him to uh, for this whole week, and I was pretty busy this week, out of town a good bit, and I, I. Um, I said, Lord, I need you to help me. I really need you to help me. And, and uh, he gave us some peace night before last and last night to just kind of meditate on what he'd have us to do. And if I know my heart, uh, I've got some scripture I'd like to, to read in your hearing. And uh, first place I'd like to read is in Titus, the first chapter of Titus. And this will be... Uh, uh, this will be scripture that you normally would hear read at the ordination of a, of a pastor, a preacher that's been called to pastor a church. This is the uh, uh, so scripture that you would uh, hear being read in an ordination service. But uh, I've only got a few verses there to read, and then I want us to turn back uh, to the Gospel of John in the eighth chapter after after I read this in Titus and then we'll try to tie these things together and share with you what uh, the Lord has laid on our heart uh, to do. <clears throat> but in Titus, the uh, first chapter, and uh, Paul says here for in the seventh verse, he said, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not give, given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort 
and to convince the gainsayers. And, and uh, as we go over here to John's gospel, I would like for us to keep in mind convincing. I want you to think about that. He said here to convince the gainsayers. And so as we look over here uh, in, the, in the eighth chapter of St. John, and um, I'm going to pick up with about the uh, 32nd verse. Uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you're somewhere and an argument breaks out, or a, a dispute breaks out. I've been in restaurants before where, where um, maybe somebody wasn't satisfied with their meal and instead of, instead of just going to the manager in private and, and talking about it, they wanted to make a scene inside the restaurant. And, and then you have a back and forth between the ma manager, the waitress, and the, and the person that was eating there. And a lot of times that'll draw a lot of attention. Some people like to see that. I don't personally, but uh, some people like to, like to see people going at it with one another. And, uh, but uh, here in this part of John, you're gonna see, uh, and I'm not gonna use the word arguing, but you're gonna see Jesus getting very firm with some Jews. And uh, they're going back and forth. And uh, the Jews are trying to pin him in a corner and get him to say something that uh, they can use against him. And Jesus is doing his best to convince them of the truth. And, 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 and uh, 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 a lot of people, uh, and, and, and Jesus was a master at this. He, he could take a question and he could turn it around back to the person asking it with a question. And, and he, 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 was, he was a master at that. And so here uh, they are, and it says in the 32nd verse, this is Jesus talking to the Jews. And he said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? So far he hadn't convinced them, has he? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. A lot of folks don't realize they're in bondage today. They really don't. They, 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 when, when Jesus talks about being made free, uh, you have to realize first that you have something you need to be freed from. He went on and he said, I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen of my father. Ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered, you might say they rebuked back to him. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that had told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. 
ye do the deeds of your father. Then they say unto him, We be not born of fornication, we have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Jesus asked a question here. Even because you cannot hear my word, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus is getting kind of firm here, isn't he? <clears throat> and because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Here comes another rebuke. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil. It's starting to get heated now. <clears throat> Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father. And you and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Another rebuke coming. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham's dead, and the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself? Almost like saying, who died and left you in charge? Little did they realize they were talking to God face to face. <laughs> Jesus answered and said, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him. Keep his sayings. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it was glad. <coughs> then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. And just for a few minutes, I'd like to testify about being uh, convinced of a need today. And, and as we begin... Uh, to look at this scripture, and this is very uh, familiar scripture. This wasn't the first time uh, that Jesus had been approached by men who didn't believe in him, uh, who didn't believe his sayings, but nevertheless, out of mercy and grace and love, uh, Jesus persisted 
to tell them about who he was and about what his purpose was. And I'm glad today uh, that he didn't give up on me. I thought about Sunday school when our brother Michael said uh, uh, that, that, that we as the church uh, should never, uh, revenge should never be in our vocabulary. Aren't you glad today uh, that with Jesus today, uh, if I had gotten what I deserved and he had brought revenge on me uh, for my sins, I'd be dying and going to hell. Amen. Uh, but I'm going to tell you something today. There's a judgment day I come in and God says, vengeance is mine. Amen. And my, is mine. So we, we begin to look here at, at this situation of, of, of Jesus trying to convince folks that they need to be saved, that they need to believe. And I, I, I begin to I think about uh, one time the Bible teaches us how that Jesus was going through. And the, and the starting of the verse says, He must needs go through Samaria. And uh, uh, it was because of where He was headed, He had to go through Samaria. But if you think for one minute that it was a, a consequence or a happenstance yeah. for him to have to go through this city, I, it was not. There was a need there. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Uh, and uh, uh, that woman at the well, she had the option of accepting uh, what Christ's words were saying or she had the option to reject it. Totally up to her. But nevertheless, Jesus saw a need to go through Samaria, the Bible said, that he sat down there on the well. I reckon it had a rock wall around it, and he was tired. He'd been walking right smart, and he sat out. And the Bible said uh, that he saw a woman there, as she had done many times before, getting water from the well. And he asked for a drink. Now, don't you understand? Somebody said, why would God need a drink of natural water? This was God in the flesh. He felt, he hungered, he thirsted just as you and I do today. Amen. And he asked her for a drink of water. And as they uh, went on, she couldn't understand him being a Jew and her a Samaritan, folks that weren't even supposed to be talking to one another. Why are you asking me for a drink of water? He said, if you'd ask, I'd give you living water. You'd never thirst again. She went on to explain to him how this was Jacob's well, her father's well, and he'd been here a long time and he'd been producing water. Jesus wasn't interested in that. If you ask, I'll give you living water. You will never thirst again. The Bible said that, and we know, I'm not going to get all into that, we know that uh, but they went kind of back and forth with one another. She questioned him. He questioned her. Uh, before it was all said and done, amen, the Bible said that she left her water pots over there, yeah. forgot the whole reason she come to the well. And the Bible said uh, that she went and said, come see a man that told me all things that ever I did is not this the Christ. He convinced her. He convinced her. Boy, I'm telling you today, if, if I get on fire about convincing folks that they need to be saved, 
as we are about convincing folks of what kind of car they need to drive, we'd really be somewhere. Amen. 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 Being convincing. We had a vacuum sick cleaner salesman come to our house years ago. And, I, and he wasn't invited. I didn't ask him to come. He just he just called and asked if he could come. I said, well, we're not interested, but, but just let me come. And I said, well, come on. And he came. And he said, uh, one hour is all I need. And, and, uh, and I told him, I said, we really don't need a vacuum cleaner. But. And so he sat down and he commenced to show us I can't remember whether it was a Kirby or a Rainbow, one of them expensive ones. And uh, he commenced to show us that. And he, he, uh, and he was a good salesman. He really was. He, he did everything. He went through the routine, showed us how dirty our house was, and cleaned it up. And, 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 we, and uh, the whole time, I'm thinking, boy, I wish he had wrapped this thing up. Getting about bedtime. And, and, uh, and so, when he got done with his spell, he said, don't you think you need one of these? And I said, well, it's nice. And I said, it does more than any vacuum cleaner I ever seen. I had no idea there was that much dirt in our can. And he, he said, you need one of these. And when he threw a price out there, I fell backwards. I said, I said, man, no way, nineteen hundred dollars for vacuum cleaner. And he said, but look at what all it does. And I said, you're not going to convince me. You're not going to convince me. I don't care what it does. That's too much money. There's a lot of things I can do with nineteen hundred dollars. He said, let me make a call to my boss. He called. He said, listen, we're going to do this for you. Keep this under your hat. I said, man, we're still way. I said, we ain't even close. I said, we're way out of all. Well, it finally got to where, what would you get for it? <laughs> I said, I'd give him a couple hundred dollars for it. Yeah. He backed his stuff up and he left. But he was trying his best, and I know he worked on commission, I know he did, and, and that's how he made his living, bless his heart. But I said, I thought, boy, he really did a good job of trying to convince us that we needed that. But I'm going to tell you something today. Paul said in Titus, he was talking about the bishops, to convince the game saved. With the gospel. Convince the truth. Yes. Folks today need to be convinced that they've got a need in their life. I was driving home from work last night from way down in Pickens County. I, I come through Tarrant City. And uh, right there between Tarrant City and the Pinson Valley Parkway, there's a bunch of bingo halls there. And it, really kind of a dark looking place. It's, it's, it's old buildings that somebody's gone there and turned it into a bingo hall. Parking lots were full, Brother Roger. 
I'm not being judgmental. You listen to me. This is this is about eight thirty. We posted nine last night, and I thought, reckon how many of them cars will be at a churchyard somewhere tomorrow? I just thought about that. I guess the devil put that in my mind. But I begin to thank God, brother Chris, for saving my soul. And to think that I could be one of those. Most of them people, I'm not being judgmental, but most of those people that were in there probably couldn't afford to be there. But they were hoping beyond hope that they'd kick the jackpot. Right. They'd win the big job. Won't be rich. As I drove along, I said, Lord, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you, God, that I don't have a desire to go to them places. <laughs> because you see, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, I'd probably be the biggest gambler ever was. Amen. I'd probably keep the honky tonks going all night. Are you that kind of person preaching? My nature, my righteousness is as filthy rags. I'm glad, what I'm saying is, I'm glad that God convinced me that I needed more in my life. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I thought about Paul and Silas. The Bible said that they were in prison there and they were praying. And I an earthquake come about and it shook the prison and the gates, the doors come open on the prison. And you can believe that if you want to or you don't have to, but it happened. And there was a jailer there that was supposed to be watching them. See, see, Paul and Silas had been preaching Jesus and that was a no-no. So they made sure that they were in strongholds in the prison. Bible says that after that earthquake, the prison doors come open. Did Paul and Silas break and run? They just sat there. And that jailer, I can just see. Oh my gosh. I'm the one that's going to take the blame for this. I was responsible for these two. <laughs> All of them looked over there at him. He was just about to take his life. If I remember the scripture right, he was just about to take his life. He thought, I can't face this. And they said, do thyself no harm. We're all here. <laughs> you see, Paul and Silas were free even when they were locked up in that thing. They were Amen. free. And not only did they convince that jailer not to take his own life. But they convinced him that he needed Jesus Christ in his life. He said, what must I do to be saved if these men that could have took off and run and they're still sitting here because they prayed and God heard their prayer and opened these doors, amen. If they've got that much power with God, I want some of that. Amen. What must I do to be saved? <laughs> they told him to believe. 
And not only was he saved, but his whole family was. See, they did something convincing. They convinced this man not only to not commit suicide, but that he needed the Lord in his life. Boy, if we can be that convincing today, Brother Bobby, if we could be that convincing to folks, don't you think we'd have to add on to the church if we got that convincing to people? Well, preacher, it's, it's, uh, you, they're going to do what they want to do. It's what the devil tries to tell us. Yes. But that does not excuse you and I for reaching just as hard as we can reach. I think about Noah a lot of times when, when God told him to build an ark. He convinced Noah that it was going to come a flood. Yeah. A man who had never seen, if I understand the scriptures right, had never seen water fall from the sky, but it spewed up out of the ground. That's how the earth was watered at that time. I'm going to flood the earth. Build an ark, pitch it within and without. Gave him the blueprints on how to do it. It wasn't built overnight. This was a long project. Yeah. Long project. And I can't help but believe that there were people saying, Oh man, what are you doing? What are you doing with all of this? Go for wood. Why are you spending so much time on this stuff? The Bible does not go into detail about conversations between Noah and these other people very much. But I can just hear Noah saying, I'm convinced. I'm convinced by God that if I'll do this, that when this earth becomes covered with water, me and my family and two of every animal will be saved. He was convinced of that. Today, if you're not convinced, some people said, show us a sign, show us a sign. Jesus said there should be no sign given. That of Jonas. You want to risk going to hell over trying to plead and bargain for a sign? You want to risk that? I came up in a loving Family, I've said this before, and, and I'm not bragging on it because there's a lot of people that don't come up the way I did, and I, and, and, and I always never take that for granted. But Brother Ricky, I had a mom and a daddy who loved me. If they fought, I never saw it. Brought me up in church. They taught me what belonged to somebody else doesn't belong to me. Right. They taught me to be respectful. This was during the civil rights uproar. There was a lot of dissension, mainly here in Alabama, a bunch of it. My mom said, you'd be nice to those that are different color than you. And through all that, I had everything that I needed. Never missed a meal. 
Sandy Paulus was pretty good to it. But I discovered I had a need. I had a need in my life. Jesus convinced me that I had a need in my life. Men of God would stand with power and preach. You have a need in your life. You need Jesus. <laughs> My mom and dad. You need Jesus. Even us good teachers. You need Jesus, boy. All your kids need Jesus. Boy, you'd get fired for something like that today, wouldn't you? But everywhere I went, my peer superiors were always telling me that I had a need in my life. And I came to the conclusion one night laying in the bed that I needed to get that need fixed. I needed that need fixed. Jesus reached down and I reached up. And he saved my soul. Convincing. Convincing. I will never make a good salesman. Never make a good salesman. When I was in the air conditioning business, I wasn't a good salesman of air conditioning. They had to sell their self or people had to want one bad enough. Because I saw what kind of problems they were giving, especially the newer ones. I, I thought, man, I can't tell people these things are going to last. Can you hear about service calling? We'll do our best to put it in there and try to do a good installation job and get it in there and hope for the best. folks that they need Jesus. A lot of us have family members that are lost and undone without God. And the only way that you and I are going to convince people that they need Jesus in their life is they must see Jesus in our life. Yeah. In our life. I pray, God, don't ever let me get behind this book more and bully anybody. Lord, don't ever let me get behind this book more and come across being mean. Because God, that won't do any good at all. It'll hurt. But God, let me do it in love. Do it in love. I'm going to read a verse of Scripture. Be getting us a song ready, Brother Michael. Over in June 15, and the reason it's 15 is it only has one chapter. The Bible said that Enoch prophesied, and he said, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon, upon all and to convince all that they are ungodly. Listen to how many times he, that, that, that Isaiah here says ungodly. To convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds 
which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Enoch, if you remember, was the one that walked with God. God took him and he was not. But evidently, during his time on this earth, he tried to convince sinners that they needed God. Evidently. The Bible said that there was a man, I believe he was a Pharisee, came to Jesus by night. His name was Nicodemus. And he said, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these things except God be with him. But you see, the problem was Nicodemus was underestimating who he was. We, we perceive that thou art a teacher come from God. No, Nicodemus, you're looking God face to face. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus trying to convince Nicodemus. Nicodemus says, do I go back in my mother's womb a second time and be born again? No, you're missing it, Nicodemus. Marvel not that I said you must be born again. That that's born of flesh is flesh, that's born of spirit is spirit. You must be born of water and of spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. And for a little while, you don't hear much out of Nicodemus. But you move on a few chapters over, and you'll find that after Jesus was crucified, Nicodemus came over there with Joseph, and they asked for the body of Jesus. And they put the spices and the, 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 the costly things upon his body. They wrapped him up, and they put him in a tomb. Somehow or other, I can't help but believe, Brother Mark, that Jesus convinced Nicodemus that he had a need. He had a need. But Lord, help us today to realize that we have a need. Alcoholics Anonymous and these drug rehab places that, from what I've heard, they say somebody has to realize they have a need before you can help them. That's what they say. Brother Wayne Alcorn said, you got to get lost before you get saved. <coughs> but there's a lot of folks today that have an uneasiness down in their heart. Everything's going fine. And they're thinking, what is this that I need? Why, why am I shaking in my boots? Why, why am I not happy? Why don't I have joy? Because until you know Jesus Christ, you don't know peace. Until you know Jesus Christ, you don't know joy. Come get us a song. I'll preach all Oh. But I won't say this. Everybody stand if you will.
officers saying, I need a while longer. I just need a while longer. I've got to do some research on this. I've got to study this thing out. But when you realize that you have a need, I was in good health when I cried out to the Lord to save my soul. As far as I know, I wasn't anywhere close to death. Save an accident or something happening. But I said, I've got to have peace down in my heart. He's the only one. The preacher said he's the only one that can give peace. And I believe that. He convinced me. And I asked him. And you know what? Everything that them old preachers preached and them Sunday school teachers taught and them saying men and women of God testified about me. I found they were right. They were right. God has been everything and more than I ever needed. Everything and more than I ever needed. So if you've got a need here today, whatever it is, Please, please, please believe and trust. Don't get mad like those Jews did and start back on Jesus till you get to the point where you're accusing Jesus of being a devil himself. But be convinced. Be convinced of the need that's in your life today. And if you'll do that, it'll be the best thing that ever happened. It'll change the way you think. It'll change your doings. It'll change the places you go. It really will. Somebody might say, Preacher, you sure do live a boring life. No, come on, go with me sometimes. I don't have to have all that mess to make me happy. I've got Jesus. And if he had just saved my soul and stopped right there, that would have been enough. I could still shout. But he did he opened up the windows of heaven somehow or another and he began to pour out blessings. And I don't know how to contain them all. I don't. They're running over. They're running over. Preacher, are you happy all the time? Tomorrow about this time you'll probably see a different state. But the devil cannot strip me of my joy. He cannot strip me of my joy. I can let him have it. I'm glad of that day. Go ahead and see. 161. Are you convinced?